everyone. This is Florence Bremer. I'm your host of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. Bonafide Legal Podcast is a weekly podcast to help attorneys and business owners with time management and lifestyle tips. I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a mother, wife, grandmother, movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, restaurant lover, follower of many television show shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. I've been a lawyer for 21 years, and this podcast discuss tips for living your best life and enjoying your work and enjoying time off. I wanted to um, discuss some an article that I read this week and um, promote an author that I really, really like that helps with time management. And the um, article that I want to talk about isn't written by the author of the books that I want to talk about, but it's sort of the same um, series, the same sort of help. So there is an article I read by an attorney named um, Jamie Spanhake, S-P-A-N-N-H-A-K-E. She wrote a book that I like quite a bit. It's called The Lawyer, the Lion, and the Laundry, Three Hours to Finding Your Calm in the Chaos. And it's just a really good book. And she does articles on um, this, um, I guess it's a website, I guess I could call it. Um, And I get articles from it maybe like once or twice a week. It's called Attorney at Work. Even if you're not an attorney, maybe subscribe to it anyways. Like the articles are really, really good and always gets me thinking about different things during the week. And some of the articles are more practical. Uh, They're all practical, but some are like tech that you can use that will help you in your practice. But then some may be like, here's what you need to do to unwind. In the article that I want to talk about that Jamie wrote is called Five Kinds of Rest, Avoiding Exhaustion Means More Than Enough Sleep. And when I read that caption, it, it really stuck out to me because this is a struggle that I have quite a bit where I just feel unrested and I'm really good I believe at getting enough sleep but I'm always tired so what is it that's making me feel like I'm not getting enough rest so the five types of rest that Jamie talks about the first one is physical rest and that of course is um, sleep And then she also talks about doing restorative actions like yoga and meditation. And so I wanted to talk about sleep a little bit. I will sleep. I have discovered that I need somewhere between eight and nine hours of sleep to really feel rested, which means that most of the time I'm going to sleep somewhere between nine and nine thirty usually sometimes as early as eight thirty but I really don't fall asleep I might just kind of lay there and and watch some tv and then fall asleep within the hour I know this makes me sound extremely lame most of the time on weekends I still follow the schedule every once in a while I'll stay up a little bit later or sleep in a little bit more but I found that if I stay on the schedule of going to bed somewhere between 9 and 9.30. I'm going to wake up around 6. And I have a much better day. Um, every once in a while will be something where, you know, we'll, we'll be watching movies late or 
a couple family members will come over and maybe we're doing some board games and I'm going to bed like 11. Well, the next morning, I don't want to get up till probably 8 and I just feel more tired than if I would have just stayed on my regular schedule. So finding the sleep schedule that's best for you is really important to really feeling rested. I was actually having a conversation about it with my brother yesterday because he's discovered the same thing and we sort of were talking about it with our old <laughs> our old age. I will um, be 49 in June and he is um, 46 right now and we're just starting to feel it a bit and he really said that he said something that was very familiar to me, which was he goes to bed, you know, he goes to bed maybe between nine and 10. He gets eight to nine hours. And if he wakes up in the middle of the night, say two or three, he can feel physically feel that he is not rested enough. And I've been there too, where you wake up and, you know, honestly, it's probably to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water. And you get up and you're just your body just feels so like achy and exhausted. And when you get back into bed, a lot of times you just fall asleep instantly. Although I do have this thing that has been a problem for a long time, where I'll wake up in the middle of the night, go back to bed exhausted, and then 20 minutes later realize I'm still laying there and I'm sort of wide awake. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll put on something that is not... Um, nothing that requires my attention, usually like a Simpsons episode or maybe a family guy episode, uh, sex in the city, like something like that, that I've seen a million times and I know what's going to happen and I'll just fall asleep pretty quickly after that. Um, if I do that, I do feel more tired in the morning because I had that break in, in sleep and like potentially have lost an hour. But it doesn't happen all the time, thankfully, but, you know, enough that I have to be aware of it. All right. The other type of rest that Jamie talks about is mental rest. And mental exhaustion is a real thing for me. And a lot of times people will refer to it as burnout. And I definitely have a burnout, a Friday burnout. Friday to me, I was, I don't remember who I was talking about with it. But I remember when I was in my early 20s, when Friday night hit, I was ready to go. And at that time, I was working um, full time and going to school in the evenings. And I was taking the train to and from Chicago. So I would leave my house around it's like a crazy time, like say for like five in the morning. And I would get home on school nights, like 1030 and have to be up at five the next night. I don't think I fell asleep on the train more than a handful of times. And when you take the train from the suburbs, this is obviously when I lived in Chicago, when you take the train from the suburbs to the city, the people who get on that train in the morning, most of them are just out because it gives them an extra hour to get some sleep. I could never do that. So I would usually do my homework. And um, if I didn't have homework, I would um, read a book. And I was always carrying these giant backpacks because now I'm sure everyone can carry their textbooks on a tablet. But I would carry giant backpacks. And for a while, what I would do 
is I would spend money to Xerox the pages that I needed for class so I didn't have to carry thousands of pounds of um, books with me every day. So um, I had this schedule where I was just going to ho- going home, going to bed, getting right back up and leaving again. But when Friday night rolled around and I got off the train on Friday, you know, probably about six or seven, the guy was ready to go. Like I would go out, I would go see friends, um, go to parties, like do all this stuff. And then the next morning I would get up um, early and go have breakfast with my mom. And we'd a lot of times like go to the mall and go shopping. I couldn't, can't even imagine that now, like not even close. So the burnout issue is a definite thing for me. I'm just all the time going through my calendar, my to-do list. I'm always thinking the next week in advance, the next month in in advance, the next quarter in advance, like everything that you have to do the next year in advance, frankly, you know, like sometimes my schedule can go out that far. So um, this burnout that you have from the mental exhaustion is definitely causes fatigue on you. And this may actually go more back towards the physical rest. But like right now, I go into the office, depending on the day, so it depends on my schedule, I will go in anywhere from 8 to 11. That does not mean that from 8 to 11, if I'm at home, that I'm twiddling my thumbs or or doing something pleasurable. Although sometimes if I can go in later, I might squeeze in a walk in the morning. But during that time, I'm just working at home. So um, whether I'm working at home or working at the office, I'm working. And then um, it seems like lately, like I have this goal to try to get back home by about three. But all last week, I had late meetings and late court hearings where I got home between like five and six. And then when I get home, I make dinner. By the time I eat and clean up, it's like eight or nine. And I haven't done anything that was at all helpful to any sort of mental rest. So like one thing you can do, like if you're in charge of meals is... Um, for, uh, for a little bit, like every once in a while, I'll do a meal plan where I will get, uh, like hello fresh. Was that one? I don't know. There's so many now I can't think of the names, but I'll get a purple, um, carrot, I think is one and I'll get a meal plan and work on those. What I usually find though, after a couple of weeks is sometimes I'm like, even though all the ingredients are cut up, sometimes this ends up being more work than just filing through my regular recipes. I'm not a huge fan of takeout. There's just not a whole lot of options, I feel like. You can do pizza, which is fine, but how many times can you really do pizza? I usually end up getting takeout pizza maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. Otherwise, it just gets old. And Chinese food is actually a pretty good option. And I've done it twice in the last two weeks, which has been a lot. But because I just have been so tired, you know, to be able to come home and and prepare a meal. I find that takeout from other restaurants just doesn't work as well. By the time you get it, it's like 
cold and not easy to heat up. And you might as well just make a meal, even if it's something simple. Um, when I'm doing meal planning, a lot of times I'll do something simple like a salad and maybe a soup or chili. Um, a shepherd's pie is something that I'll do kind of frequently. And um, I get an order from the vegan butcher shop about once every six weeks to two months and then that gives some options as, as well like where there's vegan steak and vegan chicken I think for people who eat meat there's probably actually a lot more options because you can just put a um, chicken breast in the oven or maybe you know roast a, a small turkey or a turkey breast um, grill up some steaks I mean I think I, I just feel there's like a ton more options when you do eat meat, but I, I make it work. All right. Um, also, in, in terms of mental rest, one thing that I was thinking about is that something that is a big thing for me in the spring is tax season. So luckily, I have a QuickBooks program, so I'm constantly putting in my expenses throughout the year, and they're all up to date. Like, I will update my expenses maybe once or twice a week where I'll input everything and make sure that it's all up to date. Um, and so part of doing my taxes is sending the QuickBook file to the accountant, but there's always more that has to be done. It's not like you just send the QuickBooks file and, and boom, you're done. The accountant, of course, has questions because there's only so much information they can get. And a lot of times you have to gather quite a bit of documents. You have to gather 1099s from your mortgage, your um, insur your um, student loans, um, any kind of millions of different things where you might have a 1099 or other tax form. Um, this year I sold a house, so I had to get all those tax, the, all those, all that documentation together, and it just ends up being a lot. So for mental declutter, I recommend doing your taxes as early as possible. I believe all my tax information is into the accountant. I don't think there's anything else that I have to get them. And um, now I'm just waiting for the, you know, the actual returns so I can review and, and send off. Kind of the crazy thing about um, doing taxes is that um, you, you have these documents that you get, like you might get them in the mail, you might get them by email. And with, without fail every year, there is something that doesn't get to you. So I had my husband had a 1099 that he was getting, never got it. And it wasn't from a source where it was easy to get. So it just, it, it took like a bunch of finagling to be able to get it from the website of this company. And finally, we got it. Um, one of our mortgage statements we never got, never received it as an email, never received it in the mail, and was able to get it from um, the source, but it just took time, like all this stuff took time. So anyways, that I was thinking about that in terms of mental declutter and burnout, just the things that you have to do as a person to like keep your life going, like paying bills, for example. I mean, there's probably once or twice a week where I sit down with my checkbook and the stack of bills that have come in over the last few days and have to go through those. And it's just, 
nonstop paperwork. I said I say it to my kids all the time. They're like, oh, we have, you know, X, Y, and Z going on. Like we have to worry about health insurance or um, a hospital bill or whatever. And I say, well, welcome to the world. Like that's exactly how it works. Another thing that Jamie talks about in her five kinds of rest is social rest. And I will say this, the social rest aspect has been different for me in the last year than it was in prior years. I think it has been different for all of us. So before the last year, and as I record this, it's February 21st, we're coming up on almost a year since the first start of lockdowns in, well, at least in Arizona. I can't say or can't remember where it started for everyone else, but probably around the same time. I mean, we're talking about now till about the middle of March. And when I think back a year ago, I remember it was around this time where everything was starting to get scary. And I remember seeing every day I would check the COVID numbers in Arizona. And at first it would be like, five COVID cases, 10 COVID cases. And that would call cause me apprehension. And then initially I thought, well, if we can keep it under 100, that means we're really good. Like and just say, you know, there's, you know, there's 13 million people in Arizona. And 100 cases is like statistically nothing. And then we were over 100. And then my next thought was, well, if it's under 1000. And then um the summer was relatively quiet, but when we had that surge around Christmas time, there was a day, and it was a time when I think Arizona was the worst in the nation, where there was about 18,000 cases in one day. And that just is, well, this is kind of going back to the, the mental exhaustion, but to hear those numbers is just very, very um, scary And very disheartening, like when you're thinking that maybe you're on the other side of this, and then you're just getting these big numbers. We're down again, I think we're about between 1000 and 2000 a day. And a year ago, if you would have asked me if 1000 or 2000 cases per day would have caused me um, comfort, (laughs) I would have been like, you got to be crazy, you know, but now, after seeing the numbers we saw around Christmas, it just feels much better. And now there's, you know, the vaccine is starting to roll out. So hopefully all this is getting better. In any event, a year ago, my social, my social exhaustion came from the amount of things that I had in my calendar. I would have plans on most weekends. If I had a weekend with nothing, that was something else. I had travel every month to every two months and um, lots of, you know, family parties and weddings, a lot of travel for conferences. I went to conferences all the time to be able to help educate myself on different topics and also get out of the office where I could really concentrate on these topics, like really learn something Because if I'm in the office and trying to do this, or even in Arizona, it just never seemed like I learned enough. And I'll tell you, that is something I actually really, really miss. But my social and travel calendar was very full. I would have client events. That would be something else. Lots of um, 
events for the bar, like lawyer type events, you know, women lawyers, uh, wine and cheese, um, the state bar convention, um, different luncheons for lawyers, like you name it, my schedule was jam packed. And so all of that has gone away. So you think it would be like, well, my schedule is wide open. But I don't feel like it's cleared up. I still really crave like time alone and um, and just being able to to veg and not having um, not having issues with like my social calendar being completely filled up. Weekends go so quickly. Like I'm trying to squeeze in spending time with my grandsons. That's probably a big part of it because in my what I'll call my leisure time, I really want to see these two little boys and spend as much time with them as possible. So that takes up a lot of my schedule. So in any event, I mean, you you just have to work it in. And the other thing too is it's important to work it in also. Like I'm not saying clear out your social calendar, never talk to anyone again. No, you have to do this because that is part of your rest is having time. One thing that I do is about once a month, I talk to a friend in LA over Zoom and we just talk movies. And it's been sort of a running appointment for the last seven or eight months. That's very important to me. I will have an in-person lunch um, with a friend, oh, about once a month, once every two months, just depending on our schedules. That's very important to me. And then also just little celebrations with family. Because I have so much immediate family within a five-mile radius, we always have something going on with the holidays or someone's birthday. Um, it's There's always something. Next weekend will be my mom's birthday. We're going to uh, reserve a room in a restaurant and I'll go out to eat. Um, so part of <laughs> the social exhaustion is, is twofold, which is hard to reconcile. One is maybe having too much on your plate and the other is you still need to make connections. So make sure you do make those connections and at the same time you get enough rest. Another one of the areas of rest that Jamie talks about is creative rest. And I will tell you this about creativity. When I am physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, I have sensory overload, I lose creativity. Um, for instance, this week, I expected my schedule to run a little bit more smooth. There was a giant brief that was due this week. It got filed and there was just some other projects that it was time for me to move on to. And I felt really good about this. Like, okay, great. Like this project is done. The next morning I get an email from opposing counsel where they basically said, why did you do this in the brief? I told you I objected and you went ahead and you did X. And I look back at their response prior, which was the objection, and it was so, um, it was, it was ambivalent, it was vague, like I didn't, 
understand it was an objection. I actually thought it was more of a sarcastic comment. And I was peeved enough that I was going to email them back and be like, you know, hey, what's with the sarcasm? Um, But in the same vague response, I also understood them to say, um, no need to respond back. But that's not what they were saying. Like, I just completely misinterpreted it. And so it took about a half of a day to just fix it. And it was a fix that wasn't hard. And like, it wasn't anything super wrong, but it was incredibly annoying. It sapped my creativity. It sapped my mental energy. And it was just a, a clutter that took away from my creativity. Um, I'll notice if I have a day or two where my work schedule is not filled with back-to-back meetings or back-to-back court, all of a sudden my creative juices start flowing where I'll think, this would be fun to write an article about this, or here's a podcast topic, or um, if I ever have time, here's a book idea. Like I start to have ideas. I also just have ideas about my cases in general where it'll be like, oh, this would be a great place to you know, do interrogatories or something, which I know doesn't sound fun, but you just creatively start thinking about things because everything's opening up and the ideas will just sort of come to you. I will tell you where you can also get some creative um, rest and, and help with creative decluttering is just getting rid of some clutter, like some actual physical clutter. I had in June, or I'm sorry, June, in January, I made this announcement to my household. I said, let's have a garage sale in February. I picked a date. It was uh, yesterday. It was February 20th. I picked a date. I said, let's get everything together. I told my family members, I said, let's, um, let's gather, um, you know, whatever property that you want to get rid of, And we'll have this small garage sale. And I talked to my brother and my mom and dad and my sister-in-law. And I just said, you guys bring over whatever you want to do. I'll manage it and I'll give you the money. Well, all of a sudden the date was here. And my husband had a Frisbee. My husband and brother had a Frisbee golf tournament together. And so they felt like it crept up on them. So my husband didn't give me anything for it. And my brother didn't give me anything. Um... My one daughter, my middle daughter had to work, so she kind of wasn't into it. My youngest daughter had um, had a bunch of clothes from don- from donation, but we had all these clothes, and I didn't feel like laying them all out. So I laid out a little bit of clothes, but not all of it, which was a good move because I don't think we sold one item of clothing. And I had a, I had a, on Friday night and Saturday morning, I had a, um, I put together some things. It was some household things. It was some shoes and bags and just kind of some random things. And uh, put out some tables and and put a blanket on the ground and um, hung some things over a chair and had a sale. We just put a sign at the end of the street and also posted something on Facebook in the local Facebook group. And I don't know, maybe we had 20 people who came and got rid of some things. It wasn't exactly what I wanted. Like I would have liked to get rid of more things, 
But at the end of it, and so we also decided, I had thought I was going to sit out there till about two. Around noon, I thought, you know what? This is it. We've had one person come in like the last 30 minutes. I'm going to start putting everything away. And we started putting stuff away and two more people pulled up, saw us putting stuff away and just left. And um, as part of putting stuff away, we put together a book donation for the library, clothes donation for a charity, and um, what else? Oh, my daughter put together a bag of, um, it, it's a company called Thread Up. If you order their bags, you can put clothes in it, and they will just give you a couple of dollars for a bag of clothes. And it's not, um, you know, it's not lucrative, but if it's stuff that you are, if it is stuff that you are um, not going to wear anymore anyways, I mean, wh why not take the couple of dollars for it? And I think they recycle a lot of it, so it just feels good to give it to them. So we did a bag to thread up. We had some boxes that we brought to my um, to my work dumpster, and my daughter has a, an explorer, and we pretty much filled up the explorer with stuff that we got rid of. So made a tiny bit of cash, and got rid of a bunch of stuff, and that felt really good. All right, the last element of rest that Jamie talks about in her. Um, in her article is sensory rest. And that's the over stimulation that we all have from screens, from work and personal, our phones, our laptops, video games if you play those, lights, alerts, you know, uh, notifications just all the time going off. Um, it's it's nonstop. And I sort of went the other way because I had to, because my email was so um, out of control in terms of size that I had to go to cloud-based and have a company that monitors it and like quarantines any emails that um, don't seem to be from sources that are for me. They do a pretty good job. There's only been a couple that went through the quarantine that weren't, um, that shouldn't have, that they were emails that were from clients, but you can view them. Otherwise, you can leave them in quarantine and you can also block those ones. So it's cutting down on my emails a little bit, although I just get so many, so many emails, it's, um, it's outrageous. I had an image a few days ago where I pictured my tombstone and it just said, um, answered millions of emails in her lifetime. Like emails are just, they're a necessity and they are also just horrible to deal with. So in any event, having some sensory rest is very, very important. A big one for me is nature in the outside. Not that I'm in the woods or anything, but I do have a nice neighborhood that has nice paths and know a nice amount of trees and cactuses and uh, nice uh, rock formations and all of that you can see the mountains in the distance and and it feels good that's really important to me for for sensory rest um, 
I would prefer, I'll, I'll give a sensory rest that I'm not doing. Um, so a couple of months ago, maybe even a year ago, I just felt the need to have an actual book in my hand as opposed to an iPad because I was reading basically everything on the iPad through my different apps, um, through the library app, through my Kindle app, iBooks, you know, just all my books were either purchased that way or checked out through the library. And it was just another way for me to have a screen on all the time. And a lot of times, like if it was my if I was reading on my phone, particularly, sometimes the iPad, although I could turn it off, but sometimes to, in order to read it, you actually need the Wi-Fi. One of the problems is that texts and some emails come through while you're reading. So I just wanted a book in my hand to feel like very old fashioned and cozy and read a book. And so I started checking out more books from the library, I actually purchased a couple of books and went back and started reading some of my old books that I've, I've had that I've either read or didn't read. And that was a big thing for me for sensory rest. Okay, so that was the article on rest. And which brings me to an author that I really like, that I wanted to correct something that I had said quite some time ago. Um, I bad-mouthed one of her books. Not really bad-mouthed, I just said I didn't care for it. And I realized later I was conflating a book that she wrote that I didn't read with a book that she didn't write that I did read and I thought she had wrote this book. So the author, I've mentioned her before, and her name is Sarah Knight. She has written Get Your Us Together, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving Enough, Calm the F Down, You Do You, and F No. These are books that I really like. First of all, they are completely compact. They are about the size of your palm. The font is great in the books, and they fit into your bag or your pocket, I guess, even uh, very nicely. And they just basically tell you to make sure you take care of yourself in different ways. Her, the first book that she wrote was The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving Enough, which was a, a sort of a parody of Marie Kondo's book. And I thought there's another book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving Enough by a, another author. And I had read that book and I never finished it. I got like two um, chapters into it. And I'm like, no, this is like not for me. And I know a lot of people actually do like that book, but it wasn't for me. And then later, so this was like quite some time ago, and then later I had read her other books, and I'm like, how can I like her other books so much and then not like the first book? Well, I figured it out. <laughs> um, because I was going back, and I, I was, um, I bought from the Amazon store her most recent book, which is called F No. And when I say F, there's an, a swear word involved. When I say S, there's a, um, a swear word involved. But what um, I realized um, was I was reading the new, the new book, and I thought, how did I not like that book? I'm like, I'm going to give it another chance. And then when I looked it up, I said, this is not what the book looked like. And 
I can't remember like how I found it. Um, I think I put in a book that is like this book and it brought up the other author and actually I don't think I'm the only person who has ever confused those two because it said um, that book versus the other book. Um, like a comparison of it was some article that was out there. And I thought, oh, okay. But her books are just really good. It They just have these things where it's just practical advice. Um, you know, like the the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck. I mean, she, she has this great story. She worked in publishing in New York. She used to put on heels and commute and she was exhausted and she quit her job, cut off all her hair, moved to the Dominican Republic, lives on the beach and basically set rules for what she was going to do and not do. First of all, I mean, how nice to just live on the beach and write. Um, I wish I had something like that. I always have this vision because um, about, I think once a year for for the last few years I've gone there. Um, I've gone to Coronado, Coronado Island in San Francisco, uh, San, San Francisco, off of San Diego. And I bring my laptop and I have this vision of me getting up early and having coffee and looking out the window and looking at the ocean and writing an article or a treatment for a book or something. I never end up doing it. It's just this romantic vision I have of myself. And I think a lot of it has to do is I'm there for four days. So how much writing am I really going to do? I'm there with my husband and a, a variety of, of family members. In past years, it was always um, my daughter, Maggie, it was just the three of us. We just took this really nice trip together, but it still ends up being busy. Like you end up taking walks and going out to eat and sitting on the beach and all this stuff that is not conducive to just sitting and, and writing. So, um, and then the last two years I brought my infant grandson, my other daughter and her husband, like, what am I really getting done? But it's a romantic vision to me. And, um, maybe one day. Maybe one day I can like get a house for a month on the beach and like really, really write something. But um, it, it, her story is great to me, like what taking what a chance. And sort of the main underlying theme of her books is um, d don't feel that you have to be obligated to do stuff. If you are not, um, apparently she hates karaoke. I kind of like karaoke, but apparently she hates it. And so she says, if your office go, does karaoke once a month and you really don't want to do it, like, don't do it. Like, if you'd rather sit on the couch and watch The Bachelor or you just want to go to bed early, then do that. Like, do what is best for you. And that's really sort of the underlying theme of all her books. And they're very amusing and easy to read. So I just wanted to promote her and also correct my last, um, I think I've said it a few times actually, where I conflated those two books, her book with a book that she didn't write. All right. Um, a couple of um, reviews for some movies and a TV show. I 
last night my oldest daughter said, do you want to watch this movie called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things? I had said, um, yes. <laughs> I hadn't heard of it, so I wasn't entirely sure. But the way she sold me was she said, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. The same day gets repeated over and over again. That actually is a big selling point for a movie for me. I love movies like that, especially when they can get creative. My middle daughter hates movies like that, so you have to force her to watch them. She was gone, so she wasn't even part of it anyways, but um, it was really charming, and it did what Palm Springs did, which is when you start the movie, they already know they're reliving the same day, which I've told my daughter Lillian, I said, I think that's what you hate about a lot of these movies is that you have to relive with the character them getting to the point where they're realizing that it's the same day over and over again. So the first time it happens in Groundhog Day, like very charming, very original. And then there's a bunch of movies afterwards where you're just seeing that the, the you know, the person realizing it's the same morning, I'm wearing the same clothes, it's, I'm waking up in the same place. And they'll, you know, go through that for like a, like doing a week time before you get to the point where the the story actually kicks in. So this just starts in it, and then it has um, a very uh, two very charming leads, two young people that are very cute, and the girl who is in it is the same girl who is in the movie Freaky, and it um, is just touching. So it's more touching. Um, you know, I'm gonna use the. Um, Palm Springs as a comparison. Palm Springs is more, um, well, Palm Springs is actually very touching too. Palm Springs has like a little bit more dirty humor to it. The map of, per of Tiny Perfect Things is more um, innocent and sweet. So I recommend it. It's on Hulu and I'm sorry, it's not on Hulu. It's on Amazon Prime. There's so many streaming platforms that I'm losing it. So that's on Amazon Prime. And then that led my daughter, who had not seen Palm Springs yet, to watch Palm Springs. And um, she was watching it last night before she went to bed, and then she had 30 minutes left. So she asked this morning if I mind, if I would mind if she put it on. They said no, so I watched the end with her while I was doing some other stuff. And again, if you haven't seen that one, if you haven't seen Palm Springs on Hulu, I would recommend it highly. If you were going to pick... And I would say watch both, but if you absolutely felt you had mo room for only one of these movies in your life, pick Palm Springs, but both are, are very delightful. Well, after the movie was over, so Hulu and, and Netflix now does this thing where they'll just start playing something else. So Hulu started playing this show called Dollface, which my oldest daughter had recommended to me, and that's something I'm kind of bad about. Although I sort of follow shows, a lot of times I never end up watching them because I feel I just don't have time to get into a show. So I'll concentrate mostly on movies. Um, and it just started playing, and I'm like laughing and laughing. And she had reminded me that she had recommended that show to me. It's only one season. I'm not sure if they're coming back with a season two. I think that COVID was a problem. And I also think that there's so many shows, a lot of times they don't come back for a season two. 
So we'll see. But it's charming. It's this, um, the lead is Kat Dennings. There's a great female cast. Um, one of the women from Pretty Little Liars, I think, I think it's Shay Mich- Mitchell. Can't ever remember her name. Um, but just this gorgeous woman. And then um, Brenda Song, who used to be a Disney star and now does a great job in a lot of movies. And um, two of the girls from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend are in it. And the it just starts off with her boyfriend breaking up with her at brunch, Kat Dunning's boyfriend. And he says, I don't love you anymore. She, she They're at brunch, and she asks for a bite of his um, huevos ranchero, and he just says, I don't love you anymore. I'm breaking up. And so it's tragic and sad and hilarious, you know, how he breaks up with her. And then... Um, they're in the car and, and, you know, he's driving her to, I don't know, drop her off somewhere. And, and she's like, I can't believe this. And I said, so, and there's two dogs in the backseat. And she goes, so I guess you're keeping the dogs Johnny and drama. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to keep the dogs. And then she says, now I have a cat named Turtle for no reason. So it's all names from Entourage, if it doesn't sound familiar. But I just, it just started off cracking me up and, um, I watched the first two or three episodes while I was kind of, you know, making pancakes and having coffee this morning, and it was um, it was very enjoyable. So I recommend it. And it's hard to figure out what to watch anymore. I, I you know, going back to fatigue. Part of my fatigue is the overwhelming feeling that there is too much to watch, and I don't know where to begin. I have spent many evenings. Where I'll say, okay, like I'll watch a movie for 30 minutes and, you know, go to sleep. And I start flipping through Amazon, Netflix, Hulu. Um, If I have a movie channel, flipping through the movie channel, Disney Plus, and I can't find anything. And I just end up putting on Family Guy and going to sleep. That, I think, too, is part of just too much all the time. Um, I noticed on Netflix that they have a thing where you can just press show me something and they'll just play whatever that you know whatever comes up in their algorithm or whatever I mean maybe they pick based on what you watched before I'm not sure how they do it I haven't tried it but I think that's what a lot of people are doing they just don't know what to watch anymore so okay I think that's it for today um, I will be net back next week. I, I will, you know what, on a um, final note, I will mention this, that I was happy to see this article on rest and fatigue because I realized I had recorded my podcast last Sunday after 9 p.m. And as I was sitting there, I just felt really tired really 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 tired and when I got done I felt you know when you can just sort of judge yourself uh, your performance of whatever you're doing your performance at work your uh, conversation that you're having with someone where you're just like I was like a dud just a complete dud and I felt like I, I walked away thinking this is just one of my weakest podcasts I'm like way 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 too tired so I'm, as I record this, it's Sunday morning, 
I've shared a pot of coffee with my oldest daughter. Feeling pretty good. (laughs) So, all right, make sure you get enough rest and I will be back next week. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes under Florence Legally Burnett Bonafide Legal Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram under Florence Legally Brunette. You can find me on Facebook under my personal page and under my um, law office page. You can find me on BrummerLaw.com, which is my law office website. I'm also on Patreon. And don't forget, if you want to contribute through Patreon, you can get a free custom tie-dyed t-shirt. My husband makes gorgeous ones. I should probably put some pictures on um, Patreon because I don't think people are going to understand just how beautiful they are. And for a little bit extra money, you can also have a conversation with me about your, um, time and we can go through a day in your calendar and see if we can make things a little bit better for you. All right. I'm going to sign off. Be back next week.